fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolf Pack, what's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves here with the first big board and rankings update of training camp. I'm so pumped to do this. I've been updating it here and there, but in terms of like first big show where I'm dumping a bunch of news out looking at all the positions, all the risers, fallers, and injuries. Going to recap it all. So if you haven't been staying up to date on all your training camp news, well, I got over 40 player notes I'm going to be zipping through today to get you all caught up. And even if you have been good at staying on top of it, still probably worthwhile to listen to at least the positions you might feel a little behind on. Because again, I'm going to cover everything while bringing in my big board. So let's bring that in now to update live. Now let me know as I go. If you can't see that, I can always alternate into this view where I become a little mini man. That's fine as well. Uh, but I will be updating this again as we go live, covering all the risers, fallers, sleepers that have emerged, and injuries. That's a lot to get into because, as I said, 40 players. So let's get right into it. Before we do, though, if you're catching the replay or live here and you don't mind giving us a thumbs up, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're at, uh, being so so much to us, help us get out to more people. And, of course, if you like what you hear today and you want to consider seeing us more, hit that bell Subscribe to us, and we'll answer all your questions live. What's up, Notu? What's up, David? Great to see you guys. Uh, and, and here in the news, David, awesome. I'm pumped. I can get you all caught up here. Why don't we start off with the quarterbacks again? Let me know if you can't see this okay. Uh, I'm going to make some overall changes eventually too, but I'm going to go position by position first, uh, and then we'll kind of dive back into the overall, and I'll update it throughout the night, and it'll be published later on today on the website, RusherChannel.com and in our app as well. So the first risers on my big board today are these rookie quarterbacks. And I've already made some of these adjustments. As you can see, I already bumped up Fields and Lance. I, I only have Fields just a spot higher because I do think there's a better chance he starts. But either way, I absolutely love these guys. And I think both of them, one of them for sure, if not both, is going to go down as a league winner in 2021. Now they might not start the year already. Andy Dalton's looking decent in camp. They're saying he's going to be the week one starter no matter what. Jimmy Garoppolo as well looking solid. They're saying there's no plans to alternate uh right now, but it's only a matter of time whether it's bye weeks, whether the you know Andy Dalton becomes Andy Dalton again, turns into the pumpkin, you know, no pun intended with the hair. Uh that could happen very quickly and all the reports are Trey Lance, the ball is just floating out of his arm as he flicks the wrist, like Mahomesian, the way it's coming out. Justin Fields has been so impressive. He is dazzling with his arm, is the word they're using. Just show starstruck a lot of the players around him. Not only his arm, but for both of these guys, their athleticism, especially Justin Fields, everybody knows Trey Lance is a runner. 1,100 yards, eight TDs in the you know college games last season out there. He's like a bull, too. I mean, he's a beast. But Justin Fields doesn't get the Konami credit I think he deserves. In fact, only Michael Vick has ran a faster 40 time than Justin Fields. And they're saying in practice he has been showing off the legs more and more often. Uh, the designed runs, Matt Nagy says, nobody can catch him. The broken plays, like this is a big 
weapon, big edge that he gives us, which is huge. So Konami code upside. And I also want to emphasize with Trey Lance too, faces Atlanta and Houston and Tennessee over his last three weeks. I don't know the exact order. I forget them, but I just know it's easy. And the Bengals the week before that. So late season stretch runs. These guys are going to be monsters. Go get them in your rounds 12, 13. In fact, you see how high I have them up here. Above, potentially even Burrow, we're going to talk about why he fell in a second. Even though I know Burrow's going to get you more points over the course of the season because he's going to play all the games, assuming he stays healthy. Just the edge that Fields and Lance are going to bring you when they take over is going to be mammoth. So I've bumped them up to 13 and 14 into this tier of guys that I consider high-end QB1s because I really do think they could be cheat codes. So keep up watching those guys, especially if one of them takes over as a starter. They can't be your number one until then. You still have to get somebody ahead of them. But, man, they're going to be stretch one league runners based on what they're seeing in camp. Now, Burrow did fall, as you can see here, below them. That might be too aggressive. But I do want to see them get it together. The reports in camp so far are that, quote, it's not good. It's just not good right now. The athletic wrote, uh, he hasn't thrown anything downfield further than 10 yards. He hasn't been looking comfortable putting his foot in the ground, certainly not running, but even as a thrower just looks tentative out there. And he came out and said in the press conference, yeah, it's a mental thing right now. I am struggling. Uh, I, I, you know, physically I'm there. I've rehabbed it all. And this is often what happens with these injuries. I tore my ACL myself, not that I'm on the NFL field, but it is you, when do you trust it again? When you finally can get back out there and take a hit. And when I, he's slowly working off that rust. So that's a natural process of this. I'm not going to overreact and be like, Burrow, do not draft him. In fact, I've seen his ADP falls like 130 these days. That's absurd. I mean, this guy is still going to be a quality QB1 more often than not. He was on pace to lead the league in pass attempts last year before getting hurt. But still, you'd love to see reports there saying he's just slinging it all the yard, no hesitancy, all that goodness, and it's just not happening. And they're saying, as we'll talk about a little bit later, Jamar Chase isn't looking like that true alpha number one that so many of us had expected coming in. Uh, so ultimately, I, I like Burrow. I like his passing volume. I still worry about the line because I think he's going to be under duress. And how does that mentally impact a guy that's just saying right now, I'm not mentally stable. It's a little worrisome, uh, not overreacting. This is more so, uh, as you see here, a love for Fields and Lance and their league winning potential. But I just wanted to make note that Burrow's a falling a little bit in my rankings. Uh, and the last guy to note here at quarterback, quarterback's going to be a quicker position, but Taysom Hill is starting. So as you can see, I've bumped him up above Daniel Jones. And now that's not official. I'm not, Taysom Hill is already... He's starting out with the ones in camp. Let's start there. Uh, Jameis Winston, for what it's worth, has looked impressive too. He's giving it his all. It's an open competition. I am far more interested at this point in Taysom as a fantasy quarterback because of Mike Thomas's injury, because of his surgery, because he who knows when he's going to be back. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later too. I, I would much rather see Taysom win this role in terms of just sheer quarterback value. Now, of course, for Alvin Kamara, for the receivers, we're going to break down in a little bit who's number one when we get to receivers. I'd obviously rather see the gunslinging Jameis, who led the league in passing yards his last full season and passing touchdowns. I mean, the guy still ropes it. But is he that interesting, Jameis himself, as a fantasy quarterback? I don't know with that weaponry that he will be. So I, ultimately, if Taysom's starting and he started out with the ones over Jameis, he was a top 10 quarterback those three weeks that he started. In fact, over the collection of those games, he was the QB3. The Konami code is real, folks. And Taysom Hill, you can get in your last rounds right now as a dart throw in best ball. And if you have early seasonal drafts, 
might be worth just taking and stashing and seeing what happens there, given he's running with the ones. Now, a couple injuries that we just wanted to note, and you can see Carson Wentz down there did fall. And again, please let me know if you can't see that very clearly. I'm happy to shrink myself and raise that up. But Wentz did have a foot injury. Now, the craziest timetable of all time, five to 12 weeks is apparently the uh, timetable. And early reports suggest the team is optimistic that it's going to be on the earlier side, that he might only miss a week or two early on in the season. Still, that 5-12 to 12 range is not comforting. You imagine, you know, does the team tank if they lose the first couple games and look horrible? I, I don't know. Does the, the foot, you know, does he trust the foot later after having a surgery on it right before camp? You know, who knows? I don't like it. It's not great for the weapons there. Uh, we'll talk about Jonathan Taylor in a little bit when we get to the running backs. It has to get a little bit of a downgrade given this offense is going to take them. To me, Wentz has no purpose on the fantasy roster right now. Leave him on the waivers. Obviously, you know, when he comes back, he has that narrative with Reich. They've played together before. He was on pace for the MVP their last time together. There is a narrative. Wentz could have a good season. I see no reason to draft him at this point. If you're taking flyers, just go for like Cam Newton or Mac Jones at that range and see which one starts the season, right? Uh, and then Dak as well. Uh, his shoulder injury is quote-unquote minor. It's more of a baseball thing is the, the the reports, which I don't know how that sounds uh, with the, after the MRI. They're, they're optimistic he's going to be able to begin throwing soon, so you don't have to go too crazy with Dak Prescott. As you can see, I still have him as my fifth quarterback, but he was in this tier before. He was alongside these guys. He was on pace to throw for over 5,000 yards last year. I think he was on pace like for a 17-game season to be like nearly 6,000 yards, right? That offense was insane. But if he's not fully healthy, fully there, he's not really getting acclimated in camp. Like he doesn't need that. He's Obviously, he's going to be fine. I just need to know he's healthy before I can bump him back into this tier. If he's going to have a slow start, uh, that's a good separator, a good tiebreaker between you know Dak and these guys. And if you took Herbert over him because you're nervous, I wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't blame you at all there. So those are my quarterbacks, risers, and fallers, as you can see. Not a ton of action there, um, but – some big names to discuss. Let's now move on to the running back position. And as always, I will get to all your questions, comments at the end of this. Uh, if you're willing to stick this through, of course, I'd be happy to end with all your questions. So please get them on in. Maybe even in between positions, I can get you guys a handful of questions uh, here and there. Let's see who we got with us there. What's up, Omar Foster? Uh, great to see you. <laughs> Fitty Grand. Feels good to be back. What up, man? It's great to see you. Good to see David. Good to see all these guys coming out. David, uh, the other David, it has been a while. Great to be back. Great to see you. And you touching on these players in a redraft sense or dynasty? That's a good, good preface here, Tyler. This is 100% redraft-wise. I'll, I'll maybe mention dynasty values, especially if you have a specific question about dynasty. But this is 100% 2021 rankings. Um, specifically for this year. I love that question. I'm glad you asked that. So this is specifically for this year only. Like the Jamar Chase report, I might adjust a little bit in redraft. Dynasty, if you over-adjust, you're an absolute moron. The guy is going to come into his own, even if it is at a little bit of a slower pace, uh, if that makes sense. Mitch, good to see you. George, we got all the legends out here. I love it. I didn't even announce this one, and here you guys are. Fantastic stuff. Uh, so, yep, it is it's redraft. I do do uh, Dynasty, though, Tyler, and I'm happy to answer your Dynasty questions as well. I have a Dynasty rankings. Maybe I'll update that live another time if that's what you prefer. Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy asked Jeff. Uh, I will hit that one, and I'm going to get back to the big board here with these ranking updates. I am in the minority here. The, the buzz is all in on Jerry Judy right now. Um, everybody's raving. 
I'm going to talk about Cortland Sutton a little bit, Jeff. If you're hanging around, he's my pick. I think he is the uh, the alpha here. I absolutely love it. Oh, and the Kulk, the meat sweats. I have to shout you out. Uh, great stuff. Got a super flex redraft later today. I might be picking your brain. Please, Omar, hit me up. Ask all the questions you want during this broadcast. I will answer them all as we go, especially that you have that. Now, I, I don't do a ton of super flex, but I did enough earlier this offseason, a few drafts, that I'm starting to get well-adjusted to it. Let's now get back into the running back position, folks. So continue those questions, continue the interaction. It's so good to see so many of you legends. It's time, baby. When I see some of those names pop up, you know you know it's training camps in the air and the buzz is in the air, but when I see some of you classic fans, it's like, yes. That, that's why I do it, to see my guys uh, and, all the, and all the regular ladies. I'm looking for Sarah, all you people that always come to the broadcast. Get on back over here. We are back. It's time to go. Let's hit the running back position, why don't we? And we'll start with Michael Carter, perhaps my favorite you know, mid-round, like seven, eight-round running back that you can snipe right now. He is running with the ones, according to camp reports, and he's a clear step ahead of everyone around. Now, that's not too hard to do. Who's he got to beat out? Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson and Michael P. Ryan? Like, he should be a clear step ahead. It is great to hear that he is. And it's great to hear that the coaches aren't playing stupid fucking games with a guy that is clearly ahead of everybody else. They're putting him right in there with the ones, and he's thriving. He's looking great as a pass catcher. Remember, Thor came on our podcast and said, this is the best pass catching back in this class. A lot of people said this guy was better than Javante at USC. Now, a lot of people I think are insane because I think Javante is the best running back in this class outside Najee. That's neither here nor there. Uh, still, Carter clearly has some talent. He's been running in a zone-blocking scheme his whole life. He had said that after he got drafted. This is the scheme that I was dying to play in. And now that's, of course, carrying over from the 49ers, that Shanahan zone blocking scheme. LaFleur is going to be implementing that. He was tailor-made for this, got the pass-catching chops to be a true three-down threat. Sure, the other guys are going to work in, but I absolutely love Michael Carter. I love that he's working with the runs. Uh, so I bumped him into this tier. Now, it's tricky. It looks like down. It's not down because he's moved up like 10 spots overall on the big board. Uh, he's only down because I'm going to be bumping up James Robinson. I'm going to tell you why right now. He's looking faster in camp. And yeah, I, I get the whole argument. Like, there's, You're not going to get an argument from me against the fact that a new regime comes in, sees what this guy did last year. I mean, this was insane. You were gifted this regime, an absolute stud of an undrafted free agent running back the next few years that you could build around. Look at what he did. 1,414 scrimmage yards. 10 touchdowns, the RB7 in fantasy, played over 90% of his snaps. Like that's only happened a couple times in the last decade, a 90% snap running back. How does he get rewarded? The new regime comes in and drafts a first round running back, Travis Etienne, who I love. I think he's a great talent. And because I'm bumping up Robinson doesn't mean I'm downgrading Etienne. Now let me tell you why. One, all the quotes out of camp are, I'll read it directly line from Jordan Shipley. If the start of Jacksonville's training camp has indicated anything, it's that the Jaguars' deep group of running backs are going to get the football, quote, often. And that's in line with everything Urban Myers has always wanted to do with his offense. Daryl Bevel, as a play caller, has always been run-centric. Run Brian Schottenheimer is their pass game coordinator. You want me to remind you who Brian Schottenheimer is? He's the one that we all hate because he won't let Russ cook. Well, he's now gone from there. Thank God. We'll talk about Shade Waldron later. Uh, and now Schottenheimer's their passing game coordinator. His pass plays are probably going to be runs. <laughs> they love to run the ball. And the more and more I've researched it, the more and more I've realized there's going to be enough ground pie to go around for two running backs. 
And so I still like Travis Etienne. In fact, I bumped him over Javante. We're going to talk about why in a little bit. But I'm bumping up Robinson, and I think I'm going to bump him not above Mostert because I love those 49ers. Edmonds is tricky. I, I do like Robinson a lot, though. I mean, this is a guy that just looked too good to get removed off the field, even if the draft capital suggests he should. All the quotes out of camp are saying, we love this guy. Uh, he's physical. We love what he can do. He's going to get his fair share of being able to do that, says Darren Bevel. Shipley's predicting he's going to lead the team in, in snaps. As we said, looking faster than he was a year ago, primed for another big season. I think I don't think we're going to get 1,400 total yards again. I don't think we're going to get nearly 90% of the snaps again. I wouldn't be shocked if we get 900-ish in 10 TDs or so, where he goes like late eighth. That's a great value. So I think Robinson was someone I was overlooking, someone who I overreacted to a little bit with the dra drafting of Travis Etienne. Uh, who I still, again, as you can see, really like. I like him more than Robinson. I think he brings far more upside as this regime's guy. But I, I was too low on Robinson. That's kind of me admitting it. A. Gibson. Now, here's a guy that I've always been high on, and I'm only getting higher on, as you can see right here. Bumped up to running back nine, folks. Above Najee. That's a tough one. I love them both. Uh, but he is flying up my big board right on the fringe of that first round 12-13 uh, turn. Is where he falls. And that's because, uh, one, we have a great interview that's going to be coming out this week with Grant Paulson over, uh, covers all the Washington sports for sports radio over there. Amazing interview. I talked a ton about how night and day it has been with Antonio Gibson as a receiver, how much more comfortable he looks running his routes, how much more work he's seeing in camp. And now reports are coming out. He was playing in the turbo sets, the, the no huddle offense. That was all McKissick last year. Like I don't even know he sniffed Antonio Gibson the field in any no huddle or two minute situation. This is going to be monumental if he can take over. Probably not all of it. You know McKissick's going to work in for some receiving work, but if that becomes like McKissick led all running backs with 110 targets last year. If let's say 60 of those, you know they cut it in half, 50-50, and Gibson who already had about 20-30 last year gets now to 70 targets and 45 receptions, 60, you know. 45 to anywhere to 45 and 60, that's going to make this guy an elite running back one. So you cannot ignore these signs that he is going to potentially become the, a light version. Christian McCaffrey, there's no comparison, right? But Scott Turner comes from Carolina and seems to be using Antonio Gibson as his next like Christian McCaffrey light. And this was a guy that was a converted wide receiver that was taking a while to get used to the running back position. There is just so much to love here with Antonio Gibson and all the talk in camp. The toe is not a concern, it sounds like. He has just been night and day in his growth and dominating and passing game work. Now, run another running back in this tier. You can see he's getting a nice bump up. That's Joe Mixon here. Uh, and <laughs> I can't quit you, Joe. It's like uh, that old broke back mountain. No matter how many times I want to get off him, and let me hear it in the comment section if you're like, you, Joe Mixon. Fine with me. I won't blame you. This guy has been a nightmare the last couple of years. You see a 40-point day and you see a two-point day. I think this could be the year it stabilizes out. And here's why. Well, Gio Bernard's gone. You should probably know that by now. But in that, they're not looking to replace him at all. All the reports are so far uh, that quote, <laughs> I, I love this one. Joe Mixon has clearly been the best offensive player in camp from The Athletic. Coaches have not been shy in talking about how much they will lean on Mixon. Brian Callahan, the OC, 
isn't interested in any sort of load management. <laughs> no load management. Let all the load fly, baby. I love it. He wants to see as much of Nixon as he can. I love it. And then you talk about the the offensive line coach returning. He was their coach. Uh, Frank Pollock, I think his name is. I, I had it jotted down. I can't see it right now. Uh, he was their offensive line coach two seasons ago when Mixon actually had a consistent year. Not last year, not the year before. Two, uh, two full seasons ago uh, when Mixon was having his steadiest. Yeah, I think he finishes the RB8 and was pretty dependable all year. It's all lining up, man. It's all lining up. I know Burrow's struggling. I don't buy into that too much. I'm bumping him down a little bit, but ultimately this offense should be highly explosive with that receiving trio they have. The line isn't great. We know that, but they've added beef, so it can't be worse than what it was last year. And Mixon is just looking like a man possessed in camp, uh, looking like he's never going to come off the field, and I'm all here for it. Another guy who might not come off the field at all, that's David Montgomery. He's looking faster. According to reports, in fact, he made speed the uh, focus of his offseason routine, and it looks like it's paid off. All the beat writers are noticing it, but he hasn't lost any. In fact, he maybe has gained strength in his tackle-breaking ability. They're saying nobody can bring him down on first contact. Goal line drills, he broke seven tackles, according to this report. Who knows how hyperbolic it is? But still, the guy is faster. He's breaking tackles regularly. Oh, David Montgomery. What an absolute stud. So you can see here, I'm bumping him above DeAndre Swift. I honestly think I'm even going to go him above Chris Carson at this point. The offense should be way better if and when Fields takes over and Montgomery is setting the tone. Everybody's saying they're looking at him as like the leader, uh, the tone setter in practice, how physical he is, how hard he's working. And he's always kind of been that guy, but they're saying he's taking it to a new level. And Nagy's come out and said, I want to feed this guy at least 20 plus times a game. That's a concern because who knows if we should ever believe a word that comes out of Nagy's mouth. And he's been hesitant to give running backs full workloads. But still, I mean, everything is lining up. Most importantly, perhaps, is Tariq Cohen has not been practicing. He's still behind in his recovery. And yes, they signed Damian Williams. He becomes an intriguing sleeper the longer Cohen stays out. Sure, he's going to siphon a little bit of passing game work. But we saw Montgomery can handle all of it and then some. Uh, and the coaches sound like he wants that to be the case this year, especially with Cohen coming along slowly. This is huge stuff, guys. I, I think Montgomery has to be among the biggest risers. The fact that he falls for round four still right now is insanity. It should be going early round three type of workhorse stuff. Uh, maybe mid if that's where he's going to go. But I absolutely love Montgomery and everything that's coming out of camp about him. And one of the other big risers, you might have seen his name there, that's Saquon Barkley. In fact, when it comes down to Antonio Gibson or Barkley, that's going to be a tough decision for me because I love them both. If he's fully healthy, Saquon, once it's locked in that he's in week one, and, you know, I, I have to do it. Like, this is Saquon Barkley we're talking about, guys. 2,000 total yards as a rookie over that, and 90 receptions as a rookie. There's nobody that has this size upside other than Christian McCaffrey. And – all the reports are he's now off the PUP and looked great in his first practice. They're now very optimistic that week one is realistic. There are so many reports about how they're bringing him along slowly. They, you know, Week three-ish might be a target date. You, you might be without him for a few weeks. So until I know those aren't true, I'm going to leave him here. I'll bump him above Najee, but below Gibson. Because I still, if I'm doing best ball drafts, I, I'm nervous they might play that slow game. But it is sounding like week one could be very realistic based on how he looked in his first practice back. And you got to keep that in mind. Uh, so Saquon, 
goes you know, from the bottom here to that. And you can probably see there, right there. So might as well hit Mr. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, yeah, not, not good. You know, Carson Wentz being out, Quentin Nelson, his guard, the same injury. Both are expected to miss at least a few weeks to start the year. You can't, you can't like that. And it could go two ways. You know, one, maybe the run game becomes even that much more of a centerpiece in this offense. And Taylor just gets 30 carries. But who's going to be respecting, what is it, Eason? <laughs> Come on. Uh, Sam like Ellinger or something is looking good in practice. They're six-round rookie. They're not going to have a good quarterback situation. And defenses are going to sell out to stop the run. Meanwhile, Marlon Mack is looking back to full health. Naeem Hines is catching a ton of balls, they're saying, especially from the quarterbacks that are very tentative to go downfield right now. It's still, whether it should be or not, in fact, I'll answer that. It shouldn't be a committee. It's still looking like it is. So a couple of those injuries that are really big along the interior of the line and at quarterback, I still love Taylor as a player enough to have him like in this running back one range. You know, This is the tier. You're still getting a low end running back one with him, but it's it's less of him belonging in like this tier of the Kamara's, Chubbs, and Joneses and, and Ecklers. He falls now to the bottom of the next tier, is how I look with that. Uh, another guy that fell in this kind of range is DeAndre Swift, as you can see a couple spots down. Now, I'm seeing him fall to like mid late round four in best ball right now. Now that is a no brainer. I'm still going to hammer that. But there are some concerns. One, that he's missed significant time with a groin injury. Um, he's been like dressing, but not actually practicing is what the reports are suggesting. That's obviously not good. Um, and, you know, it's a new offense that he's got to be learning. Jamal Williams has been looking good in his absence. They're already saying it's going to kind of be a, a a committee. We've already known that, right? Uh, but they're, they're comparing them kind of the Kamara and Latavius Murray of the Saints. So that would be a beautiful report. Like I, who doesn't want Helvin Kamara, but this isn't the Saints of that those years. This is the Lions who are going to be absolutely atrocious. I think there's going to be a ton of receiving work for DeAndre Swift if and when he finally returns. They vacated like what 65% of their targets last year. Uh and they vacated I think another 60% of their carries. The volume is going to be available. I just need to know Swift's available there to take it and that he's going to get the majority of it. Sounds like it might be closer to like a 55-45 than we were originally thinking. And to me, that means Jamal Williams might be the sneaky play in this backfield. Uh, but if Swift's continued to fall around four, that's a no-brainer. Like you could just continue to do that because there's so much upside. There's top five upside here. Deuce Staley even said we want to give this guy 25 touches a game. Now, he said that about Miles Sanders last year, so fuck off, Deuce. But still, uh, I think, you know, you have to keep this in mind, these groin injuries, because he did struggle with injuries last year. Um, and it's training camp where they're supposed to you, obviously it's a good time to heal, but still you're trying to install the offense, get yourself acclimated, get used to Jared Goff. I can't love any of these reports coming up. In term of some more downgrades too. Javante Williams is apparently firmly behind was the report. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is the clear number one in early camp. Now that's a rookie having to earn his stripes is how I view it. I'm not going to overreact by any means. But you can see I dropped him a spot here. I'd rather have Etienne, who conversely is catching everything in sight, is uncoverable, being moved all over the place, in sets with James Robinson, right? Give me the guy like that. In fact, I'll bump him over Cream Hunt now the more I talk about him. Instead of the guy that's just clearly the number two running back, only running with the twos, starting to work in a little bit with the threes. And there was a good report from Shermer, like, this guy can do it. 
on all three downs, you see a guy that just gets it. I like that. And I could see by the end of training camp, him being the starter. I truly could. Now, that's why I'm not dropping him too much further than where I have him right here. I'd like to see that happen. I'd like to know he's going to be getting early work. But you were kind of drafting Javante anyways as like your three and hoping that he eventually becomes your two or even one. He has that upside by mid-season, right? You weren't drafting him as an immediate, this is my running back two. I cannot wait to start him in week one. So you keep doing what you're doing with him. But I just wanted to note Melvin Gordon has been running ahead of him. Uh, and that's kind of it. Oh, no, the one other big faller at running back. I'm going to bump him down even another spot here. I'm going to – and I'm going to bump I, – I just like Daryl Henderson, so I'm going to bump like Gaskin down. Not because I don't like Gaskin, but bump him down. So I'm significantly, as you can see, already lower on Miles Sanders, and it's just going to keep going down for me. Uh, I If you've seen the reports, Elliot Shore Parks – of uh, 94 WIP, the radio station out there, expects Sanders and Boston Scott to basically split touches, was the report. Uh, he noted that through seven training camp practices, Sanders had narrowly outtouched Scott, just 35 to 29, and that has since hit. I love this. He, he posted a chart for us <laughs> absolute addicts out here. It was like, I don't know if anybody cares about these things, but here's the preseason reps. Yeah, Elliot, us fantasy absolute nerds would pay some good money if every team did that for us. Uh, so far, though, in terms of total touches, we've seen Miles Sanders get 49 and Boston Scott get 40. Almost an identical split. Now, Miles Sanders saw almost 80% of the work last year, like, what, 79-ish? And he finishes, like, the RB20. So now you cut that to 60%. That's not good. And a new offense that coming over from Sirianni was always a committee guy. Oh, boy, it's getting ugly there. And meanwhile, you know, Boston Scott, why don't we – I don't even know if I have him ranked in my running backs. Let me check here. Let's bump in this guy up. Like This is going to become the late-round running back that I want. Uh, this is too low. I think I, I bumped Ronald Jones by accident one day. Um he should be in this range. <laughs> that was not uh, the correct spot for him. But this is where Boston Scott belongs, like right alongside the James Whites. We mentioned Tariq Cohen when we were talking about Dave Montgomery, so why don't we just, like, he's kind of become undraftable. Get out of here. Uh, but, like, the Gio Bernards, the James Whites, those exciting guys uh, as bench dashes at running back, you know? I'm into it. Absolutely into it. I'm going to bump up A.J. Dillon. As well, and Uncle Lenny. I hate the Bucks running back, so like you know, I, there's not many news on them unless anybody else has seen something. But I just don't like those guys. I'm clearly far lower than them than most. But you can see Boston Scott, an enormous riser uh, in my rankings here, and this seems like the right tier for him, uh, indeed. Now we talked about Taylor. Uh, I'm going to add some names to my running back pools that I know aren't in here. One of them is going to be Jarek McKinnon. I just talked about can't quit Joe Mixon. Well, I can't quit Jarek McKinnon. And the reason being, no longer with the Niners, he's actually with the Chiefs, and he's getting first-team reps. So he also belongs, I would say, right in this tier of potential pass-catching you know, options. And especially he's in a more explosive offense. 
They're saying Daryl Williams got hurt, and since then, McKinnon's had to ch- you know check in with the first team, and all he's done is step up and impress. There's some quotes from Andy Reid saying, you know, this guy is super fast. He brings a speed element that we don't have. Uh, you know, Pat Mahomes has taken notice and called him explosive. Um, the report, in fact, word for word, says the 29-year-old running back took full advantage of his opportunity with the ones. Um, and it was it was flying down the field and got hit in stride on a wheel route. Like, love that. And they noted that's not something that Williams and, and Clyde Edwards have been asked to do, but they're asking McKinnon to go do it. Um, as Reed says, his speed is different. He's quick. He's got a quickness and speed. That's a great change up from what we already have. Uh, he's got great experience to be added to our backfield, right? Uh, he's very impressive in the receiving game. All the types of things you want to hear. I know how frustrating he was last year, but I think it's time we give Mr. McKiss, uh, McKinnon another shot. And the last running back, I don't know if this guy's on my list. Allison is not. So let's get Allison added on in here. He's apparently running as the clear number two in camp and coaches are extremely excited about the bruising style he's bringing. Well, we know Arthur Smith loves his bruisers. Look what he's tagged with Derek Henry and how many times he fed him. I'm not saying Allison will even sniff the jockstrap of Derrick Henry, but there's only Mike Davis and this guy's never held up as the feature back. And I love Mikey D in those quads this year. Don't get me wrong. Still the number two in an offense that I think is going to be highly underrated. I know they lost Julio, but I love Arthur Smith. I think he's a great play caller, maybe the best, one of the best brightest young minds in the NFL right now. They're going to be able to put up some points. And I do think Allison could be a big part of that. I think he belongs, you know, not quite in this, like, high upside, really like these backups tiers, but maybe more so in here. And now with that being said, uh, JV and Hawkins is running distant third right now. He brings a speed element that, that Allison doesn't. So he rips off a couple long ones in a preseason game, or we hear some reports of him making highlights, but so far it's been really quiet on Hawkins an undrafted free agent who I like, who Thor we had on our side loves, but he's just not seeing the reps and he's not really standing out right now. Whereas Allison is. So I am going to bump him down uh, just a little bit here. And maybe, again, he he does emerge. But as of right now, uh, he's falling behind. I also, while well, we talked about those Eagles, Gainwell has not been seeing a ton of first team, if any, work. But he's been very impressive with the second team. So it could be a matter of time. So I am going to bump him up as well. And the uh, last sleeper running back here, I'm going to bump – I mean, he's he's kind of right where he belongs. I had bumped him up earlier today. That's Rashad Penny. He slimmed down by 15 pounds. He feels lighter, faster, all that good stuff. But more so, he's involved. He's active. There's no Carlos Hyde this year. He's the, uh, the you know, Carlos Hyde 20 30% of the workload for as long as we've got a healthy Chris Carson. And he's missed time in every single of his professional season. So there could and probably will be a world where Rashad Penny takes over uh, for a couple of games. Right, And this offense should be just as good, if not better, under Shane Waldron with Russ now being officially allowed to cook. Could be more scoring chances. Uh, and they're saying that Penny is just thriving, looking faster, looking meaner. Like just he, He's finally motivated and healthy and ready to get after it. So in your last rounds, I mean, why not? When you're, when you're looking at these types of guys, right, why not? Go in for him. So I like, uh, I like Rashad Penny. It's a potential flyer. Why don't I get to a few of your guys' questions, and then we're going to get on back 
to wide receiver. So I'm going to load wide receiver here. Those are my running back risers and falls. Let me know if you think I missed any. And let's see. We got a lot of questions here. I love it, guys. Thank you, guys, for all the interaction. So in between these, I will uh, get to it. All righty, Tyler. Carter and A.J. Brown or D.J. Moore and Etienne in super flex trade? Which would you say is the better side? I'm not a huge fan of D.J. Moore, so I almost would rather the A.J. Brown side. I, I think D.J. Moore, I like I like the player a lot. I just hate how he's been used. And I expected it to kind of take off under Brady. It just didn't. Under Joe Brady, that is. Uh, so I don't see why it's Wood. Like him and Robbie Anderson were used as equals. So I'll go for that sure thing and go uh, A.J. Brown there. Ah. Most wonderful time of the year. It sure is, Robert. Should I snipe Marco Carter in the sixth round? I mean, probably not. I don't think you have to go that early. He's going around like seven, eight. And as you can see, uh, Jeff, I have like a decent amount of running backs ahead of him. Like I would take any of these guys. I probably would take hair. Like if you want, if you were in round seven and these were the best running backs and you want him above these guys, I wouldn't be opposed. I could, part of me wants him like right there, right? Like the more I look at it, running back 29. Uh, it's, he's very intriguing. I do like Mostert a lot though. I think right here makes sense for him. I like Edmonds. Like this is an interesting tier of running backs. In fact, I don't know that there's really a tier gap here. Um, between some of these guys. Maybe Javante kind of gets a bump down into this tier with more question marks. It's kind of how I'm looking at that. My man Mitch. What we got here? I've got a, three P a PPR three receiver with a flex IDP league draft Saturday. Picking out the five-spot, 10-person league. I think you got to hope for Devonte Adams there, right? That would be amazing. Him or Kelsey. Go for one of those guys. Uh, Looking to grab an RB first two rounds with a known depth available at the wide receiver. I I don't know if I do agree. I think there's more depth at running back than than there has been in recent years. You can get guys like we just saw, Gio Bernard, James White, Boston Scott, who can be viable flexes in number two running backs uh, when necessary. I think receivers a little shallower this year. Like there's obviously far more potential players we're going to see in a second, but in terms of like truly elite, you can get Devonte Adams there. I, I think you go it, and then maybe you get a wide. You might be able to go wide receiver, wide receiver. Maybe Antonio Gibson falls to you in round two or Najee, right? But I'm at seven, and I'm I'm hoping to go Adams or Kelsey, and then get a running back on the way back is how I'm approaching it, Mitch. Um, as you said there, so yeah, no, I don't I don't fully agree with you. Gibson or JT, if you had to choose one to keep, ooh, the next three years. Now, that makes it different. This year, as of right now, if I'm just picking, it's it's just Gibson for me. Over the next three years, I probably have to go Taylor. I'll side with the talent, and I think it's a little bit higher for, for Jonathan Taylor. Ah. All right, Tyler, what do we got here? Uh, and then I'm going to get back into these questions. Um for Dynasty Superflex, which side is better? A.J. Brown and – oh, I just answered that one. I uh, got that for you. If I was McKissick owner last year, and it was, it was uh, makes it hard to graft Gibson so early. So, no, if, if it's going to be the same workload, of course, and, and Gibson would not make any sense. I'm obviously clearly projecting that 
Gibson takes over a lot more of the receiving work. You know, those 110 targets that went to McKissick, I'm not saying all of them go to Gibson, but I could see half of them when he already had 20, 30 targets and him seeing more targets, right? Then the McKissick, I could definitely see that. He's looked so exposed. That was Grant Paulson said when I had him on and asked him about it. He said, Gibson's just too good to keep off the field for a guy like JD McKissick at this point. Uh, so I'm, I'm clearly banking on him getting a lot more work. <laughs> Laugh my ass off for not falling for the banana in the tailpipe again. Uh, Montgomery crushed me in the, the playoffs. Uh, you talk about McKinnon, I'm, I'm guessing. Montgomery crushed me in the playoffs last year after looking pedestrian for 10 weeks. Clearly, right? Like a fucking asshole um, for sure. But if he crushed it for you, that's great. When a guy misses games with headaches, I want nothing to do with him. Yeah, <laughs> I get I get what you're saying. All righty, guys. Uh, oh, this is a good question about the running backs. How many targets can Montgomery potentially see if when Fields takes over, does his usage increase? That's kind of a twofold. One, the, the typical history suggests a mobile quarterback isn't great for running back receiving work. It typically does help open up wider cutback lanes, and especially if Fields takes over, probably going to generate more scoring opportunities. Right, David? So it's kind of twofold. I think his receiving work might take a hit if Fields is the guy, but his other volume is going to be that much better. And he might not be that big of a receiving threat anyways. I would project him. I think Damian Williams will mix in for some targets. I would say we could project Montgomery for right around 40 targets, 40 to, to maximum 50 is what I would say. Barkley's there at 16. Do I take him? Mitch, I absolutely think you do. Um, Alrighty, guys, I'm going to get back to your questions, but I do know this is going to be a podcast and there's probably people saying, Hey, I, I only want your, your insight here, not, not to hear other people's questions, but I thought those were good questions related to the insight we were going through, but this receivers are going to be the biggest shakeup. So I'm really going to just focus and laser in here. Uh, Cause there's been some big shakeups here. The guy that I I've already always been all in on, but even more so these days is Elijah Moore. He's playing Every receiver position now with the ones. It started out with Camber the twos. You got a little dip that you can buy in. Now he's with the ones, even with Crowder. That was kind of the thing is like, well, Crowder and him are going to split slot snaps, and Crowder's pretty good. So, you know, that's going to be an inconsistent. No. Crowder's got the slot. Moore's playing outside. Moore will move inside. They move Crowder. They're kind of moving their guys all over the place. Love it. And every single day, there's a new highlight reel, whether it's on Twitter and you see the video, whether it's a beat writer's pick, my God, this guy's a baller. You know, Robert Mays from The Athletic just visited them and talked about him on the, the uh, show and said he's going to be such a huge piece of their offense based on the way they're moving them all over the place and the different receiver positions they have him playing. So Elijah Moore is insane. How high do we have him? Well, you can see I bumped him up to wide receiver 30 or 40 right here. Right after, you know, Visca. Chenault and I Cooks is what's the QB situation, right? And not that Zach Wilson's that much of an upgrade, but you can see I bumped him over Fuller. Waddle's gonna get a bump up. We'll talk about uh, in a little bit. In fact, I'm gonna bump him over. Not Elijah Moore. I'd rather have Elijah Moore, but I bumped him over Curtis Samuel. I love Elijah Moore. I am all in. Love the rookie connection. Love the nonstop highlight reels out of camp. He's my guy. Another guy with nonstop highlight reels, though, is CeeDee Lamb. We had RJ Achoa on for a Cowboys preview. If you haven't heard it, all of it's on YouTube or in our um, podcast, Fantasy Fullback Dive with Baby Path 2020 titles, reviews, 2021 titles. 
reviews and subs, so appreciate it. But C.D. Lamb has apparently been unstoppable. They're saying, this is what RJ said, it's like Des Days, we used to call him, where this receiver comes in and just cannot be stopped. No matter what you try to do, you can double him, triple him, this guy's coming down with the ball. He's a next-level type of player, Achoa was saying. Everything tells me that he's going to blow up. And all the and our show is not the only one. They're all all the reports are. So I have bumped him up all the way up to wide receiver 12, early third round range, above Amari Cooper. That would seem insane because Amari Cooper saw 49 targets in the games with Dak, whereas CeeDee Lamb only saw 28. But guess what? CeeDee Lamb was only 93 percent of his snaps came in the slot. So he would come out the field on two receiver slots. He only played 65% of the snaps last year, and still, when Dak was healthy, was the wide receiver 12. I talked to Acho, and he was like, there's no way they'll ever take him off the field this year. He's absolutely expanding his route tree and his ability to play multiple positions. CeeDee Lamb is going to be a fucking monster, guys. Oh, especially if Dak's healthy and his offense is hucking it like they were. I mean, again, they were on pace to shatter records for passing yardage last year. You got to like CeeDee Lamb unstoppable in camp so far. Another receiver, tons of positive buzz in camp is Terrace Marshall. Now I I had bumped him up a little bit, but not nearly as high as I think he needs to go. Yeah. Down here at 60, let's get him where he belongs. Uh, Hardman's going to be getting a bump up, but I, I like Marshall, honestly, even above Pittman. Um, He's dominating in the slot. They're force feeding him is the quote. And part of that's to get his rookie wings under him. But the slot part of it is where I'm very, very intrigued. And why? Well, it's because Sam Darnold absolutely loves to pepper his slots. A big slot. Ooh. Deontay Burnett in college, 27 and a half target share. Quincy Noon with the next year, his first year uh, as a professional Sam Darnold, 21.7%. Jamison Crowder, 26.1% in 2019. Jamison Crowder, 25.3%. In 2019. And when Carter was out, Braxton Burrios, 27.5%. He religiously peppers the slot. And I know part of that's Adam Gase's offense. It's always been you know, Landry, whoever it has been, has got peppered. <clears throat> Those first two names happened before Adam Gase's horrendous regime, right? So part of it, I think, is a player tendency in addition to the play calling tendency. And I also love that Joe Brady had Terrace Marshall when they played at LSU. He had, I think, 12 touchdowns that year. Was a beast alongside Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And he went out and got his guy in round two. I like it. There's a big, big shower narrative there. And that's part of why I think I'm a little bit lower on DJ Moore, whoever asked that question, is this regime likes Terrace Marshall a ton. So he's been a big riser in my rank so far. You already saw Jalen Waddell, who I had bumped up pretty high. Uh, I'm going to eliminate this tier because I'm starting. There's a lot of overlap, and then I'll, I'll cut it off eventually. But Waddle has been the only receiver available. We've had Will Fuller on the PUPL camp. Parker just got activated. Fuller, of course, got hurt the first fucking day. What a ass wipe. Uh, and Waddle has been just dominating in camp. Oh, man. They're saying they're using him on jet sweeps. They're using him on screens. He's playing inside. He's playing outside. In the early camp notes uh, that 
you know, he was, he, they were worried about his shoulder or something, his surgeries that he would never be the same. And I don't know where that came from. I, I was trying to find it. I think it got taken down because everything since then has been, this guy has been dominant. So yeah, I, I'm in on Waddle. I'm, I'm ready for him to blow up. I do would rather have Antonio Brown. Uh, he's, he's a little too low in my rankings. They're saying he is just going bananas in camp right now. Uh, I do think Landry's a little undervalued there. But as you can see, I did bring Waddle up quite a bit. And I'm going to now – I think there's like a teardrop here. That's a little too high for Mikey Dubs. And I did bump up Tyler Boyd because we'll talk about Jamar Chase and his struggles. Uh, Chase is not looking like the true alpha. He's struggling to gain separation. They're saying there's days you see the freakish ability, the reason you drafted him at five, but then there's other days he's just kind of disappearing, or so the reports say. Um, I'll find the exact quote here. Chase. Yeah, they're just not on the same page with what he's expected to do. Now, again, it's it's early, right? Jefferson had two dud weeks and then led the set of rookie record for receiving yards. I'm not – Especially in Dynasty, I'm not going to overreact, right? But, you know, I might rather have T. Higgins now. I might rather have Brendan Ayuk now. Yeah, I might react to that level. Maybe not DJ Moore. We're going to talk about Galladay, who is unfortunately going to be getting a bump down uh, momentarily. But, yeah, Chase, like, maybe he's going to come along a little bit slower. Maybe we do have to adjust our expectations just a smidgen. Right, just a smidge. Uh, let me go back now. Rugs and Edwards were the next guys I wanted to talk about, uh, and John Brown. In in light of that, they're both running with the ones well ahead of John Brown, is what the reports are. Uh, Rugs, that was kind of expected. Apparently, he's added thirteen pounds of muscle, and now that's big. I just actually talked with great interview. Hasn't been released yet, but Ted Wen of the Athletic. Awesome, brilliant film analysis, FB underscore film analysis. If you haven't followed him, you haven't read his work, go do so now. Don't even listen to my podcast anymore. Like this, that guy is far smarter than I will ever be. One of the best breaker down like the analysis of the X's and O's looking at film and, and telling you how to analyze it. Love the guy. He he did a big say, like, why didn't rugs pan out? I mean, this guy was the first pick of receivers in the class of CD Lamb, of the class of Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson. Yet he finished eighth among rookie receivers in, in receiving yards. Had one game above 100 yards. Five games with eight or fewer yards. Only never had a game with more than three receptions. Essentially, he did nothing, right? Why? He struggled really big against the press. And he never had time to establish a rapport with Derek Carr. Now, he adds 13 pounds of muscle, supposedly to help with that pre those press struggles. That's what the team told him to do. And apparently him and Derek Carr have been lights out together, whether it's deep, whether it's short and screens. Like it, it, apparently he's just a, a different receiver. And the, he's the kind of guy that probably needed the training camp more than a pro ready Justin Jefferson, right? He needed that time to get acclimated to the NFL level, the NFL corners bashing him at the line. And so now he's finally had a little bit more of that. I think he could be a big rise up. So I like rugs a lot more than I did. I'm going to bump him up this range some of these guys are going to be moving down too um McCall Harmon will be moving up 
And then I don't know if I even have Edwards. I was so fed up with him last year. But the fact that he's running with the ones, I I have to pay attention to. I mean, this guy is built <laughs> hyperbole, but like Terrell Owens and Randy Boss, he has that build and that speed. And he was an absolute alpha in college. At the, you know, and he got hurt. But yeah, I, I had to give him a, a shooting him up the board, as you can see. Uh, that might be a little aggressive. I might do more so like this range underneath Marvin Jones, who I love as a player. Um, But you can see like I he belongs high up there, whereas John Brown, like is he even draftable at this point? Give me Deshaun Jackson, who's going to probably blow up for a few more big weeks. Um, so if those guys continue to run with the ones, I'm going to absolutely love it. I do think this tier would be like kind of like this. There's going to be some guys that drop out of that. Maybe a couple guys that jump in. We'll find out. Uh, but rugged and Edwards running with the ones needs to be noted. Another guy that I, I want to talk about is McCole Hardman. I'm going to have the exact guy that wrote this report on tomorrow. 11 a.m. It'll probably drop the next day or two. Chiefs reporter Nate Taylor from The Athletic reports, Harmon has made sizable improvements, whether it's route running, consistency when catching the ball, or just overall demeanor on the practice field. The light switch went on, it sounds like. This guy is getting it. And the sky has always been the limit for McCole Harmon with that insane speed. Only Tyreek Hill might be the only receiver faster in the NFL than this guy. Insane speed. And when he's been used... I, what is it? Mahomes, I think, has the highest passer rating of any quarterback in the NFL when targeting McCall Hardman. So it's not like it's been completely fruitless. When he's gotten used, he's been good. It's just been a matter of how often is he on the field, about a half-and-half half player. On more traditional routes, they bring in like a Ping Pringle or a Robinson. But right now he's listed as the number two receiver. Came out yesterday on the first-team depth chart. He's played as the number two wideout throughout camp. And he's just looked like the number two receiver. Now, never mind if something actually ever happened to Tyree Kill and this guy ascends to the number one. I mean, you're looking at a high-end two, maybe a maybe even a low-end one. So there's like handcuff upside here, but there's upside of this guy just completely dominating as well. So I'm going to bump him above. I, he, I think he belongs, if not in this tier, like leading this tier, the next tier off. Uh, and I think Waddle kind of belongs in that same, like these guys I could, you know, start right away. These other guys I'd like to stash, but they're my flex. I can probably get by. Uh, so McCole Hardman though, rocketing 10 spots up the board to wide receiver 44. Now with these reports, a clear number two in the chiefs offense didn't yield much for Sammy Watkins, but Sammy Watkins wasn't giving him much to work with. Love these reports. Next one up is Darnell Mooney within the same tier. Mooney's been quote-unquote on fire with his routes, uh, just dominating early on in camp. And you, you'll see Fuller dropping. You're going to see Curtis Samuel dropping. These are some injuries that have just been, you know, not allowing these guys to get going. So Mooney, though, has been on fire. Now, I've already emphasized this, but I want to reemphasize it. Last year, he saw 22 deep targets. 15 of them were deemed uncatchable. That's 70%. The 17% completion rate on his deep targets were the sixth worst in the NFL. 
This is a blazer who runs a 4-3-8-40, but also can play pretty big for his size. Like, not bad in contested catches. So now that he's running a fuller route tree, is the clear-cut number two. Anthony Miller's been shipped away. No real competition for number two duties. And Justin Fields comes in, completing nearly 60% of his deep passes last year behind only Burrow and Mac Jones in these past two seasons. Six best of the last five years in deep passing. The fact that this guy is running a more complete tree, not only just going to have that deep ball boost from Justin Fields, but also, and even Andy Dalton's going to be better than what he was dealing with last year for whatever he starts for. Love everything about Mooney. Love this guy. Uh, I think he could explode as a sophomore. Very, very intriguing uh, rise for him. Absolutely. And we we talk about Sammy Watkins, who kind of sucked with the Chiefs. Well, looks like he is the number one guy right now for the Ravens for a couple reasons. One, Rashad Bateman, unfortunately, and we're going to bump him down now. uh, He got hurt. Now, we don't know what it is yet. He was running a route on a slant. He just crumpled to the ground. Uh, very noticeable limp as he worked out his way off to the field. Does not sound good at all, at all. Could be an ACL, could be a hammy, but we'll know more. Can't speculate, but he's probably going to be missing some time. So we have to bump him down. Ah, I mean, right? Like I can't take any of these other guys. I'm, I'm going to bump up Crowder a little bit too. Um, undervalued in my opinion. <laughs> Um, but yeah, without Bateman, so even when Bateman was playing, they were saying Sammy Watkins was the most impressive receiver in camp. Uh, so let me bump him up. Like without Bateman, T.Y. Hilton, you know, the, the quarterback injuries, right? Like these Colts guys, I just don't want anything to do with right now. Like Michael Pittman can drop. Um, I am going to put Sanders into this next year. But Watkins, let's get back to the the man of the hour. (laughs) Everybody's most interested in Sammy Watkins. He's, quote, already, even with Bateman on the field, the best wide receiver at training camp. Greg Roman, his offensive coordinator, came out and took that further, said he's one of the best receivers in the NFL, period. (laughs) Outlandish, yes, absolutely. But last time these two were together, Greg Roman and Sammy Watkins, was with the Bills in 2015. Watson played 13 games, caught 60 balls, 1,047 yards, 9 TDs in 13 games. That would have been a 1,288-yard, 11 TD season. He would have been the wide receiver 2 or 3 that year. And now they're reunited. He's got Lamar, who's worked all offseason on his deep passing. You know you're going to get the week one blow up, right? I think Sammy Watkins could be a sneaky surpriser this year, depending on Bateman's injury, of course, because I do think Bateman was ready to be the alpha. But Watkins might be, I don't really like Watkins, the player, but he still might be the best receiver that Lamar Jackson's ever played with. Like Marquise Brown in his role is very, very good at deep threat, field stretcher, take the lid off. But in terms of like a complete could work the middle areas of the field, Watkins can do that. He hasn't really had that yet, Lamar Jackson. And, and Watkins might become that go-to guy. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Sammy Dubs. A guy I did not have ranked at all, and now we'll need to bump into this tier of receivers is Randall Cobb. But the Houston, I didn't didn't care, didn't need to know. But with Green Bay, especially with an Aaron Rodgers clamoring to get him, wants his guys, wants the people he knows and is comfortable with. Randall Cobb has to get in there. So 
Let me bump him in. And let's see where he goes. I see a ton of questions and comments coming in. I cannot wait to see what you guys got brewing over there. Um, let's bring Cobb up. I would say in this range, like near Crowder. It's uh, certainly above Lazard, who would have been the two. I, I don't know that you can... It's Randall Cobb at the end of his career, the twilight of it. But the, these guys did have insane chemistry. If it gets rekindled... Cobb would belong, you know, up here with these guys. So as, as a last round stab, I really like what Cobb could bring to the table. I, there's there's a lot of just depth in the the middle, you know, who could become wide receiver three range. No real alphas down here, but a lot of intriguing players in these these picks. Uh, so I'm definitely interested in Randall Cobb now that he has joined Aaron Rodgers. As you saw, wide receiver 60-ish or so. You know he's going to end up finishing on wide receiver 40, 45, a higher floor. Just the ceiling. I think there's guys ahead of him that have a higher ceiling. Now we got to figure out what to do with Michael Thomas. First, he delays the surgery. I, this is a tricky situation because there's reports coming out that the Saints forced him to play, even though he probably should have been rested and sat last year. They went all in for the title. And – that that's not being covered according to Michael Thomas. Right? He has this Instagram post, like you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I'm not here to speculate on who's right, who's wrong in the situation. All I know is this. He's not returning the team's calls. He had the surgery pretty damn late. It seems to me like he's trying to get laid up on the company's time, company's dollar. Like I got hurt in the work time. I'm going to do this now. He said he was seeking a second opinion, but then just failed to report back what that second opinion said. And they're pissed, rightfully so. I'm at the point where I don't really know I'm going to draft Michael Thomas this year. That could come back and bite me in the ass, but like, I, it would have to be at the bottom of this tier. Because I really would be happy to start anyone here. If you get down here, I can see, you know, why you'd want to go Thomas. But at wide receiver 56, I won't be getting Michael Thomas. That's the sad part of it. If we get, you know, reports his timetable has sped up, he's back with the team, everything has changed his mindset, well, then okay. But I'm reading the tea leaves. This looks like an Antonio Brown, like, you're just not going to get anything out of this guy. He's just going to be a diva. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's him. It wasn't him coming into the league. He's I, That wasn't Brown coming into the league, though, either. I don't like anything about that situation. He's become a do-not-draft for me where people are typically going to be willing to make that reach. Now, in – you know, his stead here. Do I have Callaway on the wide receivers? Yes, I do. Okay, so I'm going to now bump up to Callaway. He has all the reports. I mean, wait till you hear some of these words, and then we'll, we'll figure out where we want to rank him. The breakout star of Saints camp, to the point where there's a belief inside the building the offense will be just fine without Michael Thomas. Taysom Hill was saying this guy doesn't – lose in any rep like he goes out and attacks it at 100 speed and he's always winning all the buzz has been about him the breakout star of camp called him they're saying luke johnson of the new Orleans advocate that marquez callaway has taken ownership of being the top dog at receiver top dog baby gotta love it the alpha now, it takes him hell at quarterback does it really matter well he, he was peppering don't forget you know michael thomas over those. He had his wide receiver one that he really liked and locked in on. 
And it sounds like for him, that's Callaway right now. So I'm bumping Callaway up big time. I think I might be psycho here, but like, I think he belongs right alongside Michael Thomas. Let's see him play. We'll put him in this tier below, but that's an upside guy I'm going to be taking. He's going to go at the end of all, all your drafts. I'm going to take him in every single draft. I hope his price doesn't rise too much. He might have a huge preseason game and then people will wake up. I love Callaway though. Uh, he's one of those guys that has truly, truly emerged over the last four weeks. Cortland Sutton. Now this is one that I'm on the fence with. For a while they were saying he's still holding back. Well, that makes sense. It's kind of like Burrow. I don't think we need to punish a guy that's coming off an ACL tear that's having a little bit of hesitancy, right? And that that was about a week ago. And in since then, they've said, looks a little bit more assertive. Looks like he's coming back to full speed, rounding back into form. Looking like his explosive self are some of these reports coming in. So to me, this guy, I had him bump down yesterday. I'm going to bump him back up, I think, to right around here. This guy defines alpha. Uh, he was, what, just a couple seasons ago, 1,112 yards, 72 catches, six TDs, top 20 receiver in fantasy. And yeah, the ACL is kind of concerning, but hear this study. Since through 2013, 2016, 20 NFL receivers with ACL tears were studied. Six never returned to action. Those were over age 27. Seven receivers saw their production decline. They were average age 28.4. But seven receivers saw their production actually improve. They were age 25.2. Sutton's 25 right now. So he's got the age on his side. He's got the work ethic. Everybody, anybody's ever talked about Sutton only raves about his work ethic. So he's got that going for him. I bet you he's physically good. It's just more of a mental thing. And he's starting to get those. He's making those plays. He even said, you know, I'm going to make those acrobatic catches. I'm hitting the ground. And it's like helping my confidence a little bit. So that's that's important. That's impressive. Uh, it, it's good to see. Another later round sleeper, Diami Brown. Getting, oh, so he's not even in my rankings. I got to make sure that changes real fast. Uh, Diami Brown of the Washington football team has been playing the slot and looking explosive daily. They're saying it's a highlight real play deep down the field every single day. Uh, manning the slot, which he didn't do a ton of in college, but this guy has 4-3 speed. Not the biggest guy, uh, but plays big for his size, can leap, can really do it all. He's, to me, more interesting in best ball where I don't have to predict his blow-up weeks. I can't really imagine, you know, with Terry McLaurin there, with Curtis Samuel eventually there, potentially there, uh, that Diami's going to be all that involved. But he's going to have some spike weeks because he's going to play that role of field stretcher. And we know Ryan Fitzpatrick is more than willing to let it uncork time and time again. Um, so I like Diami. I'm going to kind of cut this tier. Right here at Lazard. Now I might bump some people above him. Um, but I really like Diami Brown. I think he's plenty explosive. I, I, might, I might cut this here actually and have him start the next tier and like have a, a Gabe Davis right alongside him. Um, but Gabe Davis did get a bump down, and Sanders is getting a, a nice bump up here because Sanders has been the clear number two 
for the uh, Buffalo Bills here throughout camp. He's making highlight plays. He's meshed really well with Josh Allen, Josh Allen style. So Emmanuel Sanders gets a little bit bumped there. Um, but Diami Brown, very explosive, great best ball type of guy. And then other than that, I've got a couple other quick notes. Like Denzel Mims is playing third stringer, hopeful for a trade. No need to draft him ever again, and unless he gets traded. But you know he's off my list. You can see 94. I'm giving a shit about him. Uh, Travis Fulgham is apparently making a ton of highlight plays with Devonta Smith out. So I'm going to kind of bump him up a little bit as a best ball guy. Um, Nikhil Harry has been the Pats' best wide receiver by a wide margin. I read that, and I was like laughing. And then uh, another report came out that Jacoby Myers has been the steadiest, most interesting guy there. So I'm I'm not really buying that one yet. Believe it when I see it type of thing with Nikhil Harry. Thunderman Peoples-Jones absolutely lighting up Browns camp was another report. This guy has real speed. I mean, he is a player. There's no doubt about that. Um, last year, he only played, I think, 20% of the snaps uh, and saw only 20 targets. But he snagged 14 of them for 304 yards and a pair of touchdowns. To have two touchdowns on only 14 targets, to average 21.7 yards per reception and still catch 14 of your 20 targets, that's really, really good. 70% catch rate when you're getting targeted that deep all the time is kind of insane. So he's, again, similar to Diane Brown, like a best ball guy. Like You're probably not going to be able to predict when he goes off. But just a name, and if you're doing those deep under underdog or, or especially DraftKings where you get 20 picks types of drafts, just a name to kind of file away that could, could have a couple blow-up performances. And then just some injuries we got to cover and adjust for. I don't love to over-adjust for training camp injuries, especially if they're going to be back, but there's some concerning ones. I think Galladay concerns me quite bad uh, to the point where I would put him below Robbie Anderson. He's expected to miss two to three weeks, probably will be back for week one, but a hammy. We saw this all last year. Even before he got hurt, they're saying the rapport between him and Daniel Jones wasn't looking very good. That Daniel Jones isn't looking very good. Shocker. <laughs> so Kenny Galladay, it gets a bump down, a decent size one. I, I like Corey Slutton more. I do. So he falls for that. Devonta Smith also missing two to three weeks, and I'm not super, super concerned. But I don't like it when a rookie has to miss time. You got to get used to the playing on. They, I do like the fact that they came out from camp. He was so good before he got hurt. So pro-ready. And the coaching staff has no problem resting him the rest of the preseason if they need to because they have no questions about how this guy is going to look. And the receivers have been kind of a mess. Like Jalen Reggers done nothing to take over in his absence. Like Quez Watkins is apparently him and Fulgham are the best guys. So I, I'm not – I have to adjust a little bit for the injury because he might start a little slower now. I still think he could hit the ground running quite fast, so I'm not too concerned. Um, Curtis Samuel, though, that I am starting to get bugged out by this one. First he had COVID. Now he has a groin injury, uh, and there's no timetable for his return. In his favor, he's played in Ron Rivera's system before. But I – uh, you, that can only get you so far, right? So I'm going to bump Curtis Samuel down. And I'm also going to bump Traquan. So why don't I move Traquan first? Because he's missed all the practices, and that's kind of what's let Marquez shine. Apparently, Traquan was looking pretty good when he was there, and it's not supposed to be like anything overly serious. So like he can stay 
right around there, but he doesn't belong in that other tier. And I think Curtis Samuel is going to get a bump down uh, to maybe right here-ish. Marquise Brown also has been hurt throughout camp with a hamstring injury. So I, I, he, I just don't like Marquise Brown that much. I, I'm over him after last year. He does what he does well, but I don't think it's ever going to be consistent fantasy production. Um, and then Bateman, as we talked about, undisclosed. We don't know what it is quite yet, uh, but certainly doesn't help that he is missing so much time. So we're just kind of adjusting for some of these injuries that we've seen so far. If they come back and they're looking great, we can always readjust. But if I'm drafting today, that's how I like to give you guys my rankings, then this is what I'm doing at wide receiver. All righty, guys. I know there was a ton of questions that came in while I was doing wide receivers, and I believe that covers everyone. If you think I overlooked any names at wide receiver, please do let me know. But I feel pretty good about those updates. I think we hit all the, the important notes and news and injuries coming out of camp. Now let's get to tight end in a second. You know what? Tight end's going to be quick. There's only like five or six names on here. Let me rip through this, and then that way the podcast, if you're listening to audio right now, hopefully you appreciate it. I will promise to get to all these questions, um, but I only have four or five tight ends that I want to go uh, go on with you guys. So let me just do those real quick. First one is Irv Smith, apparently dominating red zone drills. And if you've seen it, you know, one-on-ones against Harrison Smith, destroying him, one of the better safeties in the league. And apparently, you know, Kirk Cousins has loved peppering him. They're saying he's grown more and more very comfortable. It's become clear he's become very comfortable uh, throwing a tight end to Smith. You know, they're saying that D.D. Westbrook could have been a big third receiver, but it's much more likely that Smith is going to be the next one up behind big Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen there. Uh, So I like Irv even above Gusecki now potentially with these tight ends. I'm going to keep him in this tier for now, but he has all the makings. Like, sure, he's only third on the target totem pole, maybe even fourth behind Dalvin Cook. But if those targets are all in the red zone, and he's a red zone monster, I'd sign me up. Doesn't sound like a bad combination to me. And he's plenty athletic to do damage after the catch. So I'm big into Irv Smith. And another tight end I'm growing more and more fond of is Gerald Everett. I'm actually bumping him all the way up here. 18 is not even high enough. I like him at 17. Uh, I They're saying that he's like the – similar to what I was saying with Irv Smith. Obviously, you have DK. You got Lockett. You had number three. It's going to be Gerald Everett. Last year, no tight end on the team had more than 25 receptions, but we've seen Jimmy Graham lead the, the league in end zone targets, lead the league in touchdowns with Russell Wilson. They like their tight ends in the red zone. We've seen big seasons out of like Jacob Hollister. You know, so I think Gerald Everett comes over from Shane Waldron with the Saints, who's been flashing a great rapport, according to camp reports, with Russell Wilson, who's been doing a lot of damage in red zone drills. Makes a ton of sense as a a tight end stab late, 100%. I guess I bumped Komet down, but it's not going to be much overall at all. He's proving worthy of higher usage in camp. This guy is big, like 6'6". Monster. We saw at the end of the year where he started to take on the, the real role of tight end one. And he was becoming a pretty viable product in fantasy. And now the coach has come out and said, Komet is, is thriving. We're giving more on his plate and he, all he's doing is rising to the top. It seems to like be clear to beat writers. He's, he's moved past Jimmy Graham on the target totem pole and in the depth chart. 
Uh, we'll see when it gets released, if that's the actual case. But Cole Komet, first tight end drafted last year, the best in the class. And I think this year he goes and balls out and shows why being involved so early. Um, and then the last <laughs> random note, but Darnold Darnold. I just put this on here because I wanted to say it. Apparently, you know, da- uh, <laughs> Sam Darnold, though, is peppering Dan Arnold in camp. And that would seem like, shut up, Wolf. But one, we got a lot of tight end premium leagues that go like 22 rounds. <laughs> so if this guy is, a, he's, he is a converted X receiver, so he's got athleticism. He had okay stats last year with uh, with Kyler Murray. <laughs> they were uh, quite uh, quite frequent compadres there. They've shown a strong connection to the point that Darnold like, will celebrate with Arnold after they make the, the touchdowns. He's 6'6", he's 220, he's fast. He had 438 yards and four touchdowns last year on 45 targets. Now, Logan Thomas, or not Logan, Ian Thomas, last year ran like the fourth or fifth most routes of tight ends. He also was, I think, like 30th in receptions. Useless. It's a useless decoy. Perhaps, though, they put Dan Arnold into all those routes, and maybe they actually target him. Worth a a last-round stab in best ball or – tight end premium leagues just wanted to toss out that hail Mary last two notes for injury wise, Darren Waller misses eight. Oh, well let's see where, uh, where we're Arnold. <laughs> hey, Arnold. He belongs in this tier, like the Noah grays and stuff. I also, am going to bump up Zach Ertz. They're saying he's getting peppered regularly. And as you can see, I'm bumping him above Hunter Henry, who is going to be out two-plus weeks with a shoulder injury. Potential to miss the start of the year. That's not good. That's not what anybody wants to hear. Uh, So you have to keep that in mind for sure. I I think he'll be fine, but he is learning a new scheme and uh, trying to get a rapport with his quarterback going. So that is mildly concerning for sure. And also Darren Waller has missed eight straight practices. I'm not bumping him to – any. he's still my tight end too for right now, as you can see. But this might be enough. I'm going to see where I have him overall. Like, I'm not going to take him above a Justin Jefferson. I'm not going to take him above a DK Metcalf, as big of an edge as that can be, until I know he's fully ready to go. Like, AJ, even these guys, AJ Brown, you know, I'll take him above a a Keenan. I'll probably put him right here, is where I, you know, it's only one spot drop is right now. Hopefully, nothing, but. You never know. It totally could be. Um, So, yeah. Alrighty, guys. Well, I'm going to get to all your questions now. But, again, if you don't want to listen to the mailbag, just one, a call for likes would be so appreciated, whether you're live or watching the replay. Helps us get out to more people. I'm not doing it because it's fun to ask for it, but it's so appreciated. And as, of course, our subscriptions. uh, And if you turn on the bell, that way you're you're here live and we can answer your questions at the end of every broadcast. That's kind of how I do it. I'll do my show. And I'll answer whatever questions we get, whether you, you're here still for them or you want to catch it back in later. Um, and, of course, if you're listening to this on the, the podcast, Fancy Fullback Dive, where we pave your path to 2021 titles, available wherever you listen. It is so appreciated. We're trying to gain reviews uh, and ratings. It takes you know 30 seconds. I know it's not fun to review in iTunes and podcasts. But if we're helping you out, if you're enjoying the show at all, please consider it. It would mean the world to us uh, to get our podcast numbers continuing to rise. And that's it. So why don't I get on over to you guys and to all your questions? I love it. Look at all this interaction on YouTube. We're trying to gain uh, the most. 
All righty. Uh, we were left off with Mitch asking if Barkley's there at 16. Do I take him? And I think absolutely in round two. 987 Heat. You traded the 105, 206, 306, 605 for the. I, I'm sorry, man. Send me this as a message. I don't have the time to analyze like all these picks and all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> let me just send that to me at Roto Street Wolf on, on Twitter or comment it on the end of this video where I have some time to digest that 987 heat. But that one's, that one's tough to do live right here. I think Jacob's going to smash his ADP, says Tyler. I think you're, you're in a good company. I've seen a lot of smart people say that. I do think – I personally am not a fan, Tyler. I, I hate the line decimation for no reason. I don't like Kenyon Drake's presence there. I think Kenyon Drake's a better pass catcher. This team is already reluctant to use Jacobs in that. And Jacobs saw, I believe it was the third most touches last year, yet only finishes the RB10. There's no way in hell he's seeing that much opportunity this year. So I, I'm out at the ADP. I think the team is at best the same, not going to be any more explosive. I think the line is worse, and I think his volume is going to be worse. So I'm I'm out. A lot of people love him, and I do like the player, but I am out at his price. <laughs> CJ, stop giving McKinnon a shot. I can't do it. Can't quit him. I mean, it's going to cost us a last round stab. So why not? If you want a Boston Scott instead, you want you know those guys. I'd rather have Marquez Callaway. I'm not going right in sprinting to McKinnon, but running back is getting first team reps with Pat Mahomes next to him. It's something to note. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Xavier Jones? I love him, Omar. I love him more than any of the sleeper running backs I've mentioned so far. I already did a, a show on Cam Akers getting hurt. But until – if they don't add any you know veteran competition, they're saying they're so comfortable with Jones that they don't have to, then I love it. Like He could be the number two to a Daryl Henderson that's never stayed healthy, that's not really a proven horse, not a bruiser. So he could get all the touchdowns. No worries, no worries about the, the repeat, Tyler. It's all good. I appreciate you being here and being engaged and active with me, man. Uh, Jeff Malcolm, thoughts on Kareem Hunt? Me. You know, I love the player. He's a two behind one of the best runners in the NFL. He was like the running back 13 last year or so. I don't see him repeating that because he had so many games as a starter, and I was kind of underwhelmed. Like, there's this big thing that he is the ultimate handcuff with benefits. Like he's going to get you some points, but then if anything happens to Chubb, you got yourself a bonafide stallion. And it just didn't come to fruition last year. So I'm, I'm less, I think there's less ceiling than I thought there originally was last year. And I've kind of downgrading him because of that. An okay floor, a great zero running back target. Like if you've got four straight receivers and you need a, a high PPR floor, but not someone I'm going out of my way to get. Barkley, Kelsey, Najee, or Hill pick nine with a chance to get Mixon in the second. 12-team league standard. I like Kelsey. I like Kelsey of those options. Uh, and I like Hill if not. Um, Barkley, if he's fully ready to go by week one, I'll change my tune. But as of right now, I like Kelsey there. Um, I think it's the biggest edge you can get in fantasy. I have him at six overall on my big board. There's no way he busts unless he gets hurt. He hasn't missed time at all. I know I might be jinxing him. In fact, I have a little bit of a sick feeling in my stomach he might get hurt. But I can't not draft a guy that is literally so safe with an enormous ceiling at the hardest position to find, the biggest edge you can gain. 
How are you feeling about Dobbins in comparison to the other running backs in that tier? Seems so safe in that offense. I would say safe is a great word to describe him. I think the ceiling, because he doesn't catch a ton of passes, might be a little lower. Um, and I'm as I'm looking at this here, like I want CeeDee Lamb above him. I probably, maybe not Evans. Has a CeeDee Lamb get bumped into that tier? He really might. Um, I'm a huge fan. The player, amazing runner. Led the league in yards per carry among running backs with at least 150 carries last year. And now marking room's gone. My word worries is the lack of receiving work. And they're already talking so much about how improved he is as a receiver, how much more they're trying to involve him. If that comes true, you know, he'd, he'd be similar to like Gibson type of rocket up here. He would belong right in this range. So I, I think there's a good floor with the ceiling for a lot too. I like where he's at. Very run-heavy offense that he's going to continue to be able to thrive with, with Lamar Jackson doing that read option. In some mocks, I've pulled Adams and Hill somehow in back-to-back rounds. Whew. That's incredible, Mitch. I think that's a beautiful start. Alvin Kamara, Henry, or Zeke? I don't know the scoring there for you, Jeff, but as uh, you know, half or standard, I'm going to be doing Henry. Uh, I love the, a chance for 20-plus touchdowns. Uh, is my opinion of him. I do got to get running at five, so I'm going to try to get through a, a speed round here as fast as I can. Glad to be back. Glad to see you at the end. And I'm 16-team super flex deciding on a handcuff for Mixon. Uh, I think it's actually Chris Evans. Um, it could be P. Ryan. He's probably the most likely to. He was the first man up last year. I really like Chris Evans, though, out of Michigan. Is Marlon Mack going to make a comeback? Nah, not really into it. <laughs> Banana on the tailpipe, Joe Mixon. Yeah, I, I can understand you not following again for it, Omar. My man, mom, great to see you. Jefferson's dud weeks was mainly – exactly. I'm, he was behind people. And that's why I'm not overreacting to Chase. Like, he's going to be fine. He's going to move up. Uh, it might just take a little while. Would you draft Etienne over Miles Sanders? I'm getting close to that point, Mom. And I talked about it. If you missed it earlier – I talked about why I'm getting down on Sanders. And I'm not really that high on him at all. So, yeah, uh, I think so. And you guys just talked about J.K. Dobbins. I just talked about him. So we don't have to address that. Aaron, what software are you using to adjust the rankings? So I use uh, – it's Fantasy Pro's expert platform if you want to email them. And I'm streaming using StreamYard to show you guys how I adjust it. Uh, if you're not – if you didn't get that, you catch the replay. Feel free to message me. I'm happy to help you with this. Chiefs didn't pick up anyone after Sammy. Nope, they, they sure didn't. They drafted like Colin Powell, who's who's looked good in camp, but no new receivers. And part of that was because how impressed they have been with Hardman. So I'm all in. And I don't mind taking stabs at P Pringle and Robinson late in case Hardman doesn't pan out. But yeah, uh, J.K. Dobbins or Chris Carson. I'm going Dobbins there, my man. Uh, absolutely jazzy. I agree. He is going to pop off. And yes. Uh, would you say taking Dobbins 22 overall behind it's maybe a slight reach only because I think you can get like a Hilaire, a Taylor mix and Najee often falls there or one of those elite receivers. I'd say try for him in round three, potentially there. Uh, if you re if you're in love with them though, you got to go out and get your guys. Swift, Monty Sanders, Carson. Yeah. I take him over any of those guys. Uh, for sure. But I don't think you have to take him as early as you're talking. I wouldn't pass up any of these kind of players in this tier that you see here. And I probably wouldn't pass up on CeeDee Lamb either. Sanders does blow. He sucked last year. I'm I'm not I'm I'm with you there. 
Uh, still only Tress Watkins for week one. You know that blow up week one is coming. Hurts uh, could be better than Wentz. I don't know that he will be as a passer, uh, but maybe it, it won't hurt. I think he's going to have that connection with uh, Devonta Smith. And, and it will help Sanders. Sanders has the best games with Hurts there, having that cutback line. But I'm still still there. Um, I think a lot of these you guys are answering each other's questions, having a talk. I love it. But I'm going to kind of keep trying to find the questions here. Um, I'd still get Sanders in the fourth. I don't think so, Mitchell. Not for me. I'd rather have Daryl Henderson. I'd rather have Mike Davis. I'd rather probably have Miles Gaskin. Um, that, that's where I'm leading. <laughs> the hardest working man in FF right here. Clegg, I'm so pumped to see you in a, a day one original. The man who flew over from Australia for us. Fucking love you, Link. So happy to see you, buddy. Awesome, awesome. All right, last few here, and then I can get on that call I got to run to. I uh, was about to ask you about Cobb. That's why you're the man. I could read your mind, Omar. I know it. I know what you got going on. People Jones was a stud recruit underutilized at Michigan because they sucked. Yeah, so, I mean, he, the one thing with him, it's like, I don't doubt that he could be a, a great player. It's just about, okay, so you're behind Landry, you're behind OBJ, you're probably behind Hollywood Higgins. And this is an offense that I, I don't like any of those first three because I don't know how much volume is going to be available to divide between all of them, given it's the run heaviest attack in the NFL. And now it's like you're expecting me to believe this guy is going to get something meaningful enough to be consistent behind all of those guys and the run most run heavy offense in the league. I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. So yeah, I, I, I like it that he's great. And especially if Odell gets hurt, then, then we're talking about, okay. So I like him in best ball. I like a stash, but I, I don't th- know that you'll ever get anything usable without an injury. Justin Herbert and Eckler for Gibson and Kyler. Oh, I think you fleeced them. I think Gibson and Eckler are neck and neck. And then I think Kyler Murray, like if Herbert becomes what Kyler's done, that's what we're expecting, uh, Sam, Sam. But I think you definitely won that trade. You need Android reviews? Sure. We'll take all reviews. I think uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, share it out, help us out. That, that definitely helps. Last two questions. Would you guys accept mixing for Najee? That's close. I I think I prefer Najee just because I'm out like mixing. I hate, but all these reports about mixing are like, I mean, you can see right here, 15 and 16. And most people would probably take Mixon ahead of him. Uh, he's just pissed me off. Mixon or CEH, I'll go Mixon there just because I am getting a little nervous about this McKinnon work, this annoying stuff. And last question from Jeff Clark, Prescott or Allen? It's got to be Allen. I know what that pace was for Prescott, but especially with the shoulder concerns right now and the fact that Allen was the number one quarterback in fantasy, gets his play caller back, only loses John Brown, but has him replaced with Sanders, who might be better, probably is better at this stage of his career. All day, give me Josh Allen. Thank you so much, Wolfpack, for tuning in. You can find these rankings at RotaryJournal.com where we breed and feed fancy wolves or in our uh, app. I do have a phone call I got to get run into, but you can find me personally at Roto Street Wolf. And uh, you can find our podcast if you prefer that to live streams, the Fancy Fullback Dive, wherever you listen. And if you listen to the podcast, but you want to jump in the live streams, YouTube, Periscope, we're going off. Subs and Bell Gang, join us, Wolfpack. Thank you guys so much. Really, really appreciate it. This was awesome. So much good interaction. I really, really appreciate you guys tuning in, asking questions. Keep the notifications on so you know when we're live next. have some awesome interviews that I cannot wait to drop for you guys. So please stay tuned. Until next time, in a world full of fancy sheep.
be the wolf. Later, guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. We stole the show. At least we stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks. <laughs>